Okay, so on your worksheet, we will be on page 3, and we will be looking at uh, point B. That's where we're going to start. And we are continuing on the topic of our joy and fellowship, and there's a reason why I'm spending so much time on this. It's because as we get ready to go through 1 John, you're going to see the importance of what John talks about and how it relates to our fellowship with God and how there are those out there who seek to steal from us the joy that we can have um, with fellowship with God. There's so much out there today that is vying for our attention. There's so much out there today that is wanting to hinder us or, or steal from us this fellowship that we can have with the Father. That's why I'm spending so much time on this um, on this issue as far as fellowship and um, the joy that we can experience in our fellowship with the Father. So there on your uh, study guide, the very first blank, in uh, dealing with the joy that John speaks of here in regards to our fellowship with the Father, the blank is this, it is the same joy that Jesus experienced, is the word, and is now ours. So the word is experienced. The very same joy that Jesus experienced with the, with the Father, in fellowship with the Father, that can be our experience as well. That can be our experience as well. In John 15, 8, verses, uh, John chapter 15, verses 8 through 11, Herein is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. He says, Continue ye in my love. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. That is a remarkable promise. That is a remarkable promise that the very same joy that the Lord Jesus Christ experienced in His fellowship with the Father... He is, in effect, telling us that we also may have that very same, that very same joy. So, um, on your work study guide, the joy that Jesus experienced and is ours to experience is the joy of abiding in the Father's love. The word abiding would go in your blank. To abide means to dwell or to tarry. It also means to remain in a place or condition or state. In other words, when you abide, you're not to depart from this place. You're not to depart from this condition or this state. So this abiding in the Father's love, that is the heart of fellowship with God. That is the heart of fellowship with God, is, is abiding in the Father's love. When you abide in the Father's love, then you will experience the same joy that Jesus Christ experienced by His abiding in the Father's love. In 1 John 2, 7, he writes, uh, in fact, you're right there if you're right there in 1 John. Just look at 1 John 2, 7. He says, Brethren, I write no new commandment unto you, but an old commandment which you have heard from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you have heard from the beginning. 
Again, a new commandment I write unto you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is past, and the true light now shineth. He that saith he is in the light, and hateth his brothers in darkness, even until now, he that loveth his brother abideth in the light, and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. One of the conditions of abiding in the light, of abiding in the light and fellowshiping with the Father, is love. Love for God and love for one another. When you are not loving God, when you are not loving one another, then you are not you're not in fellowship with God. That's 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 pretty plain. That's black and white. And John deals with it in that way. Look at 1 John 2:24. He says, "Let that therefore abide in you which ye have heard from the beginning. If that which ye have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, ye also shall continue in the Father and the Son." Verse 27. But the anointing which ye have received of him abideth in you, and ye not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teach you of all things, and is truth, and is no lie, and even as it hath taught you, shall abide in him. Now we're going to get into that in more detail. <coughs> but even, even if the word, if the word of truth is not abiding in you, then you're not fellowshipping with God. You're not in fellowship with God. He says here in, in John 14, he says, These things have I spoken unto you, that the, the fellowship that Jesus refers to in John's gospel is the very same fellowship that John is talking about in his epistle. And when we have fellowship with the word of life, that is that eternal life, in his word and in love with God and, and, love, and in love to our brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, then we will know the joy of the fellowship. We are fellowshipping with God. But if we don't love our brothers, if the word is not abiding in us, then we will be out of fellowship with God. And we will not know that joy. We will not know that joy. Now, what does this joy that Jesus knew entail? What does this look like biblically? Uh, how does this apply to you and I? So on your study guide, um, number one, let me make sure. Yeah, number one. The joy of Christ's standing before the Father that he occupies in the Father's house. That's point number one. The joy of Christ standing before the Father that he occupies in the Father's house. Okay? This is an important truth as it applies to us. Uh, it is the joy of his position, of his status, of his place before the Father that brought joy to Jesus Christ. Now I use the term house because that's what Jesus had promised his disciples in John 14.1. He says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. He says, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. He says, I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, that ye may be also. Okay? So on your study guide, the Lord Jesus Christ is a son over his own house. The Lord Jesus Christ is a son 
over his own house. Now turn with me to Hebrews chapter 3. I want you to see this. (coughs) Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 1. He says here in Hebrews 3.1 Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, that's you and me, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus, who is faithful to him that appointed him, as also Moses was faithful in all his house. For this man was counted worthy of more glory than Moses, inasmuch as he who hath built the house House has more honor than the house. For every house is builded by some man, but he that built all things is God. And Moses verily was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which were spoke which were to be spoken after. But Christ as a son over his own house, whose house we are, are we, if we hold fast the Confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end. Now there's a lot to say in this passage, but the main point is that Christ as a son is now over his own house, and we are that house. We are his house. We are members of his house. We are we who are born again are now members of his household. Not Moses' household but Jesus Christ's household. And due to Christ standing before the Father as the Son over his own house, and we being his house, we now have the very same standing before the Father that Jesus Christ has. That's a pretty amazing blessing for the Christian. That's God's grace. That's what Paul meant in Ephesians 1.3 where he says he has blessed us with all spiritual blessings and heavenly places in Christ. We have been blessed in Christ. Being sons of God, according to Galatians 4.7, we are no more a servant to the law or to sin, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. We're joint heirs with Christ. Being, being members of his household. The Apostle Paul wrote about this in, Gal- in Ephesians 2, 19-20. He says in verse 19 of Ephesians 2, he says, Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. So on your study guide... The blank is this. As living members, living members of the household of God, we can rejoice as Christ rejoices over his own house, for we are of his household, whose house we are. We're no longer homeless, folks. We're no longer homeless. We're not like the world. We're not strangers. We're not foreigners. We are members of the household of God. And what a household it is. 
And we ought to rejoice in this. We ought to rejoice in this. So I have seven benefits of being in the household of God. There's seven benefits, and this, this is not on your worksheet, because uh, let me tell you something. I'll write out my lesson, and then I'll review my lesson, and God will show me something else. <laughs> so I'm sharing you with you what God has shown me. Okay? So this is not in your, in your study guide, but I'm going to give it to you. Seven benefits of being in the household of God. The first benefit, if I misspell stuff, you'll have to forgive me. The first benefit is security. Security. Romans 8.15 says, For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. We are now secure in the household of God. 2 Timothy 1.12, Paul says, For which cause I also suffer these things, nevertheless I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. We have the guarantee that God will never kick us out of his house. Because we are living members of that house through Jesus Christ. So one of the benefits of being in the household of God is security. We're secure. Another benefit, being sons of God, is that how you spell it? Yes. Thank you. Diana is my spell checker. Authority. John 1.12 But as many as received him to them gave he power to become the sons of God even to them that believe on his name. If you look up that word power it's also translated as authority. We have authority as sons of God. Galatians 4.6-7 And because you are sons God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts crying Abba Father wherefore thou art no more a servant but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. We have the authority of a son. 1 Corinthians 6.2 says, Do you not know that the saints shall judge the world? And if the world shall be judged by you, are ye unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Know ye not that we shall judge angels? How much more things that pertain to this life? There's authority. Another use of the word judge is to rule or to govern in a judicial and administrative sense. Remember the judges of, of Israel, such as Samuel? You know, before they before Israel desired a king, it, they were ruled by judges. They were governed by God's appointed judges. As co-regents with Christ, according to Revelations 1.6, in the kingdom, we will have specific duties and responsibilities as we uh, participate in the governing of this world in the millennial kingdom. Jesus Christ will be King of kings and Lord of lords in Jerusalem. 
And we will have a part in that rule. And even from this passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, we're even going to have some form of authority over the angels, over the angelic host, in the accomplishing of the Lord's will and maintaining righteousness and justice in the millennial kingdom. So we as sons of God, being in the household of Jesus Christ, we have authority. We have authority. For now, our authority from the Lord as sons of God is the fulfilling of the Great Commission. Matthew 28, 18 through 20 says, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore. That's our commission. In the power of Jesus Christ, under the authority of Jesus Christ, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. So when we are out witnessing, when we're out making disciples, we're exercising that authority that God has given to us in Jesus Christ. Paul said in Romans 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So when you're sharing the gospel with somebody or you're taking somebody through discipleship, you're exercising that authority that God has given us. Now, I expound on this this point of authority, our authority, a little bit because um, there's a lot of confusion out there about this and um, yeah I'm going to come right out and say it Uh, this authority or this confusion about the authority of the believer is due to the blasphemous Gnostic heresies that is often taught and believed by so many people they teach, the, these, these Gnostic heretics believe, uh, teach that the believer is a little God. And being a little God, we possess, possess the same authority and power as God Almighty. Even in some of their teachings to the point that due to this authority, that God is even at times subject to us. That is blasphemy. Outright blasphemy. Um, And the proof text that they use, I want you to go to uh, Psalms 82. Go to Psalms 82, because I want you guys to put your oddballs on this. Psalms 82. The proof text that they like to use is found in Psalms 82 and verse 6. Raise your hand when you're there. Psalms 82. 82. 82. Yep. Okay. All right, because I don't want to rush ahead. Look at verse 6. This is the proof text that they use. He says, I have said, ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. That's their proof text that they like to use. Now, like the devil in his tempting Jesus in the wilderness, these false teachers take this passage out of context to pervert it to fit their blasphemous teaching of claiming something that is only true of the Most High God in the Lord Jesus Christ. The context of this passage is a rebuke 
to the rulers of Israel not doing their job, not judging with righteous judgment, not you know, doing justice to the people who are being oppressed and to the poor people. But this is a rebuke to these rulers for filling their coffers and failing to rule righteously. Hmm. Just like many of the false preachers and teachers today. Look at Psalms 82 and verse 2. How long will ye judge unjustly? And accept the persons of the wicked. See law. Defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. They know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. And then I have said, ye are gods. And all of you are children of the Most High. This is a rebuke against these judges for their failure to do what they're supposed to do. This is not a proof text that you can use that you are like God. That's foolishness. And leave it to these antichrists inspired by the spirit of error to take a passage that condemns them to justify a false teaching to claim what their father the devil lied about in the garden for God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof then your eyes shall be opened and ye shall be as gods knowing good and evil they twist the scripture they twist the scripture and like the devil in the wilderness they confidently quote what supports their false teaching and fail to look at the rest of the passage they take it out of context look what it says in verse 7 of Psalms 82 but ye shall die like men and fail like one of the princes. That's exactly what's going to happen to the false preachers and teachers and antichrists. They're going to be, they're going to die like men, and they're going to fall like one of the princes, and they're going to be judged. And I'm going to name names. False teachers such as Creflo Dollar. Kenneth Hagen, Benny Hinn, Kenneth Copeland, Paul and Jan Crouch, Fred Price, Joe Osteen, and Joyce Meyer, they all preach this heresy. But yet people tune in to these people all the time. They buy their books all the time. They listen to them and watch them on television all the time, sucking down this swill. Don't do it. Don't even give them the time of day. Don't do it. As sons of God, we are to reflect God's image. We are not the express image of God. Only Jesus Christ has that. According to Hebrews chapter 1, 1 through 3, only Jesus Christ can, can claim that. Don't listen to these false prophets and these antichrists. And how do we reflect God's image? By being obedient to His will and by loving God and loving others. That's how we reflect God's image. 1 John 3.23 says, And this is His commandment, that we should believe on the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as He gave us commandment. And he that keepeth His commandments dwelleth in Him, and He in Him, and hereby we know that He abideth in us by the Spirit which He hath given us. Only God is omnipresent. 
omniscient and omnipotent. Only God can create with words. That's what the word of faith says you can do. You speak it into being. No, you don't do that. You don't have that ability. Only God has that ability. Don't believe that. I got to be careful. Don't believe that stuff. But people do all the time. So our authority, our authority is given to us when we preach the gospel. And when we when we make disciples for Jesus Christ, that's our authority. The other authority that we're going to get, that's only going to happen after we receive our glorified bodies. Okay, enough of that. Here's another blessing. I just looked at the word and I've already forgotten how to spell it. Intimacy. T-I. Intimacy. First John one three, that which we have heard, that which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you that ye also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son Jesus Christ. Do not take this for granted. Do not take this for granted, folks. Because of what the Lord Jesus Christ has accomplished for us on the cross, because of the Spirit of, uh, of, the, of the Lord in our hearts, we can experience intimacy, intimacy with God. 2 Corinthians 13:14 says, "The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you all. Amen." There is an intimacy promised to those of us who know Jesus Christ as Savior. And unfortunately, many of us are willing to forfeit that intimacy because of our carnality. Don't do that. Don't do that. Another blessing. Is the blessing of assurance. The blessing of assurance. 1 John 3.19 And hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. Hebrews 10.19-23 Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter in the holiest by the blood of Jesus by a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say his flesh. And having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having a heart sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. There is assurance in being a member of Christ's house. We are assured of entrance. Yes, ma'am. Hebrews 10, 19-23. We have an assurance. We can approach the throne of grace in the name of Jesus Christ. The door is open to us. In fact, the door doesn't need to be open to us. We're inside. We're inside. We have that assurance. We have that insurance. You know, there's so many. I I I, I deal with 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 folks sometimes 
who will say, well, you, you never can be sure. Yeah, you can. Yeah, you can. You can be sure. Well, I hope so. He is our hope. He is our hope. We have assurance. We have assurance. Another blessing, and I'm going to butcher this word too. Another blessing is inheritance. Inheritance. Romans 8, 16-17, The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. There's that assurance. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with Him, that we may also be glorified together. There's like two or three Sundays worth of lessons on this one alone, folks. Our inheritance is absolutely incredible. It, it outshines anything that this world has to offer. Anything that this world has to offer. But yet we are promised an inheritance. You know, folks like Jim Boyette, he knows all about it now. All of those saints that have gone on before, they know all about this inheritance now. And they're rejoicing. They're rejoicing in their inheritance. And there's even more inheritance to come for them as well. It it never stops. It never ceases. Galatians 4, 7 says, Wherefore thou art no more a servant but a son, and if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Jesus Christ, my goodness, how much he's blessed us. How much he has blessed us. That alone should be motivation to become intimate with our Savior. Right there. He has truly blessed us. Now here's one that you might scratch your head over. This is a blessing. This is a benefit. I'm going to butcher this word too. Is that right? Discipline. That's a blessing. (laughs) Discipline. Hebrews 12. Chapter uh, chapter 12, verse 5. And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. He says, My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourges every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then ye are bastards and not sons. Have you ever thought about God's chastising hand being a benefit to being a member of his house? But yet it is. It is a benefit. It is a benefit. When he disciplines us as his children, that's a great benefit. That is a great benefit. This is a a benefit of his transforming love at work in our lives. When we stray or behave like brats, 
He loves us enough to do something about it. I mean, what kind of father is that if they see their kids going down a path of destruction and they don't do anything about it or attempt to try to do anything about it to to stop them? That's not a very good father. That's not a very good father. And then on the other hand, if there is no evidence of God's discipline in your life, and you're getting away with this stuff and there is no conviction of heart there is no chastisement from God, there's nothing going I think that's when I would start worrying because that would be an indication that you're not even a part of the household because it says that God chastises those he loves and if you are not experiencing this loving chastisement then you are bastards and not sons. That's pretty clear. That's pretty clear. So yes, that is definitely a benefit of being in the household of God. Definitely a benefit. And then the and then this one, which kind of figures out with the discipline. Family likeness. Right? Family likeness. What is God's will for us? What is that what is that predestination that Paul talks about? It's not predestination for salvation. It's not. Romans 8, 28 and 29. And we know that all things work together for good, even discipline. To them that love God, to them who are the called according to to his purpose, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Family likeness. To be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Family likeness. 1 John 3, 1 through 3. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is, and every man that hath this hope in him purifies himself even as he is pure. I mean, we see this even in earthly families, don't we? We see the family likeness. Well, that's definitely a trude, right? Or that's definitely a slicer. That's definitely a Jones. Because why? Because they can see the family likeness. That's definitely a disciple of Jesus Christ. That's definitely someone who loves God. Family likeness. Family that's the benefit of being in the household of God. Because that's that's where all that's where all of this is headed. That's where all of this is headed. That's part of the inheritance, that's part of the discipline. That's part of the assurance, that's part of the intimacy.
That's all wrapped up in the fellowship. It's all wrapped up in the fellowship. Because of Christ standing before the Father and being over his own household, this provides for us a reason to rejoice in him. For he has been so gracious to us. And this is just seven of the many benefits. I thought seven was a good number to use. I mean, he has been so gracious towards us that we share in the same standing that he has before the Father. This is our positional standing in the household of God because of Jesus Christ. But it doesn't stop just there, does it? Because along with the positional standing, there's also a practical aspect in this being a member of the household of God. There's also a practical aspect in regards to this fellowship. Uh, This same joy that Jesus experienced is the same joy that we can experience uh, being born again members of his household. So how, how is the fullness of our joy uh, by fellowship experienced in a practical way? I mean, this is, this is all good to know. This is all encouraging. But how, how, how can we take that and, and make it practical? I mean, what good does any of this do if, if, if it doesn't translate in a practical way in how we live. 1 Peter 2.21 says, For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow his steps. So if we should so if we want to know the joy of fellowship that Jesus Christ knew of, then we need to look to Jesus Christ as our example and, and, and look at his life and discover what it was about Jesus that brought about this joy that he wants us to experience. So on your study guide, the very first blank, I think it's a, it's a letter A. Has everybody got their blanks filled in? Am I? Okay, good. So letter A, obedience. Obedience. That's your blank. Obedience to the will of the Father is one of the surest ways for the children of God to enjoy fellowship with God. Obedience. You read through the Gospels and you're going to quickly discover that Jesus' greatest joy was to do the will of his father. And the surest way to show love to one's father is through obedience. Keeping his commandments. 1 John 5, 3 says, For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not grievous. You want to show God that you love him? Be obedient. On your study guide, when we keep his commandments, which are not grievous, right? That's what he just said here in 1 John 5, 3. 
we abide in his love. That's the blank, abide. In that we experience his love through the joy of knowing that we do those things that please him. I remember as a boy growing up in my own house that when I obeyed my dad or did did something and it pleased him, that really filled my heart with, with joy. Knowing that I had done something that made my dad happy. And God's commandments are not grievous, as in being too severe or too difficult, and that we can't obey them, and we can't abide by them. They're not, they're not grievous. Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight, he says, Come on to me, all ye that labor and are, and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. When Jesus made that statement, he was, he was talking to the common people, to the folks that were following him and listening to him. The common people in the day of our, uh, the Lord's first coming, they had been burdened by, their, by the religious leadership to maintain a, a system of laws and bylaws that even the leadership themselves couldn't keep or would not keep. Matthew 23, 4 says, For they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be borne and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. That is so typical of a legalist. They'll pile the rules and regulations on their people, but for some reason they're an exception to the rule. Jesus goes on in, in Matthew eleven twenty nine. he says, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. God's commandments are not difficult. They're not grievous. They're not heavy. They're not heavy. They're not too much for us. You know what the real issue is? It's not so much uh, God's uh, will. It's because we are so self-willed. That's the burden. That's the burden. We don't want to keep them. We want our way in, in matters. We don't want God's way. That's when it becomes burdensome to you. That's when it becomes burdensome to you. We want to continue in our disobedience. We want to remain resistant to God's will. And when we do so, you know, our relationships begin to suffer. You know, work relationships begin to suffer. Marriage relationships begin to suffer. Christian to Christian relationships begin to suffer. That's where the burdens come. That's where the burdens come. We want to remain resistant to God's clear commandments that, that are based in His love. And but, be, but because we love ourselves too much, we overrule these commandments in our hearts and our minds. And it's this self-love that proves burdensome. And this self, this this love of self, and this refusal to. Um, do what God wants, what do you think happens? Well, one of those benefits kick in. <laughs> right? Discipline. 
God cares too much for you to let you get away with that. So on your study guide, that's next to the little boy pitching a fit, when we are disorderly in the household, the father will address this by chastening those who are misbehaving. Hebrews 12.6 For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. On your worksheet, even though his hand is moved by our disobedience to chasten us, it is a hand moved by love and not wrath. Praise God. Wrath. Wrath. Hebrews 12.11 Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous but grievous. (laughs) Nevertheless afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. In other words, those who repent and get their heart right. So on your study guide this is not unreasonable or difficult for us to understand. The joy of our fellowship is disrupted and disturbed by our disobedience. Disrupted, disturbed, three Ds, by our disobedience. You walk around with a stinky heart attitude, right? That's a burden. That's a burden. If you are willing to go the fleshly way, That grieves the Holy Spirit of God. Remember we went through those items that grieve the Spirit of God? That's a burden. That's where the burden comes from. That's where it becomes grievous. Romans 8, 6-7-8 says, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be, so then they they that are in the flesh cannot please God. So when you're out of fellowship with God, that's where the grief comes from. That's where the burden comes from. To be carnally minded is to be in opposition to God's mind. And when we subject ourselves, when we allow the flesh to control us, that's when that fellowship with God is disrupted. You guys understand this, don't you? We all understand this. It's the practice of it. <laughs> it's the practice of it that, that sometimes proves challenging. Now on your study guide... Yep. We are still loved by the Father. This will never change. This will never change. But due to our fleshly disobedience, we do not abide in His love. Okay? Stick with me. The blessings and benefits of intimacy and fellowship and assurance and answered prayer and joy among others. That's that's the benefit of abiding in His love. But rather what we abide is we abide under His chastening hand. You see the difference? He always loves us. But when we are disobedient, we're not abiding in His love. We're abiding under his chastening hand. 
Now who likes to abide under the chastening hand of God? Raise your hand. I know I don't. I'd much rather abide in His love. So on your study guide, though chastened because He loves us, we abide in the unpleasant experience of His chastening. No chastening seemeth to be joyous. Remember? That's where we are. That's where He still loves us, but we're abiding in His discipline. We're abiding under His discipline. In order for us to abide in the Father's love, we do so by obedience. We do so by obedience. He says, in, uh, John, uh, Jesus said in, in John 14, verse 11, These things have I spoken on you, that my joy might remain in you. John 15. What is the context of John 15? When you first start reading John 15, it's the true vine and the branches. That's the context of what Jesus is talking about here. These things have I spoken on you that my joy might remain in you. He is the true vine and we are the branches. We are the branches of the true vine. It's, it's, it's the branches that receive sustenance and virtue and from, the, from the vine, not vice versa. Or versa visa. The vine does not produce fruit by virtue of the branches, but the branches produce fruit by the virtue of the vine. So when we are abiding in Christ, when we are obedient to Christ, that's, that's when that... Ah, this is terrible. That's when the love ju- juices start flowing in our lives and we bear fruit. That's kind of a clumsy way to put it. But that's when Christ has free reign in our life. And the Spirit of Christ has free reign in our life. But when we're not in the Father's will, right? When we're not in the Father's will, then, then, then we're not going to know anything about the joy of this fellowship that Jesus knew. If you want to abide in His love, then do what Jesus did. Be obedient. Be obedient. If we're out of sorts spiritually with God and with others, then we're not remaining in this state or this condition that brings joy in our fellowship. Does that make sense? you understand what I'm saying? What is it that, what is it that Brian says? Are you tracking with me? Of course, the key is found in the word disciples being a disciple being a disciple this is more than just being a seat warmer this is someone who has made the decision that I am going to follow Jesus I'm going to learn about him I'm going to obey what he tells me I'm going to be his student It's not a question of the Father's love for His own. That love is unchangeable and undiminished. 
His love never changes for us. We're always accepted. Remember? We have that assurance. First Ephesians 1 6 says, To the praise and the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. The point is us. That's the point. Are we going to abide in his love by being obedient to his will? 1 John 2, 5 says, But whoso keepeth his word, and in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also so to walk even as he walked. Jesus walked an obedient walk. He knew the joy of fellowship with the Father. Therefore we should walk as he walked. If we want to know the same type of joy of fellowship that Jesus knew, then we need to walk as Jesus walked. God's love achieves its goal and reaches its full measure in us when in love we keep his commandments. The joy of Jesus was to obey the Father and in his perfect obedience he experienced the perfect joy of abiding in the Father's love. And it was in this environment of unbroken fellowship that Jesus knew the joy that he tells us is ours also to know. So on your study guide, and we'll finish with this, when we keep his commandments, we abide in his love. A love that produces fruit in our lives, a love that brings glory to his name, and a love that displays itself in love to others. And in this way, God's love is perfected in us so that we can know the joy that he, Jesus, knew. This is why this joy that John speaks about is a supernatural joy. This is a joy that the world knows nothing of. Okay, did everybody get their blanks filled? Okay, we'll stop right there for now. Um, did it? Did all that kind of make sense? Were you tracking? <laughs> okay, let's go ahead and have a word of prayer, and then we'll uh, <coughs> move on. Holy Father in heaven. Um, Help us, Lord, not to take this privilege of uh, fellowship with you for granted. Um, Help us, Lord, instead to be jealous of it. So much so, Lord God, that we won't allow or we will resist that fleshly nature of ours to get in there and disrupt it by being disobedient or unruly, being unwilling to um, make those necessary changes Uh, We want to remain in in fellowship with you. We want to abide in your love. And Jesus has shown us that in order to do so, we must have this obedient heart attitude. And that's tough for us, Lord. we're, We're made of clay. And there's so much, 
so much that we have to deal with and so much that goes contrary to 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 your word and, and everything. So Lord, we look to you as our strength. We look to your grace to enable us. We look to follow your word to guide us. And help us, oh God, give us that obedient spirit needed so that we might know the joy that Jesus said is ours to have in fellowship with you. We thank you and praise you in Christ's name. Amen. I was listening and copying down. I got most of them. I just wanted to tell you what you said today, what you gave us, really challenges me to push and seek and work towards a more perfected love. Yeah. Yeah. I just wanted you to know that. I appreciate that. Right. Yeah, you ought to try studying this. <laughs> Be on my side. But yeah, that's that's the whole point of it, isn't it? Right. It is. It is. It is. And uh, sometimes we get it. Sometimes we don't. Yep. With you it, know what's presented to us. Yeah. Yeah. And he understands that, and that's why he gives us grace. Yeah. Yeah. So well, thank you. That's very encouraging. Are you gonna let me copy your answer? Yes, ma'am. I have that right here. I was thinking about something. Is it thirteen the the number of rebellion? Yeah. I was born on Friday the thirteenth. How were you? I've been rebelling always. Oh no. It's like well, you can a heck of a time to figure that out. You can change that though, can't you? Let me zip in front of you real quick. Over here? No, no. Yeah, I'm going to go right, right in front of you. I was waiting for you to Sorry. make your adjustments. I'm just trying to get some cool air in there. I, I can understand that. Was she finished? Huh? Was she finished writing everything down? Yeah. Were you finished with the board? I guess so. Yeah, I think I... <laughs> You're just being obedient to your mom. Remember to turn it on, but I forget.